Welcome to Life Without Secrets. Do you often find yourself comparing your life to your friends on social media? You see the glamour, the success, the perfect family, the perfect kids, the awesome vacations. But what's really behind the highlight reel? In Life Without Secrets, we are going to dive deep and reveal the secrets, struggles, and strategies people have used in real life to get to who they are now and who they are becoming. Because the truth is, nobody is perfect. And you are never alone in what you're going through. So don't forget to subscribe to the show because it's time to connect on a deeper level and grow together. Today we're in for an enlightening journey as we sit down with Cute Blackson, a celebrated inspirational speaker, transformational teacher, and best-selling author of You Are the One and the Magic of Surrender. Cute's captivating insights have graced global stages from Larry King Now to Fox and Friends, earning him the title of the mindfulness guru billionaires go to for advice by Inc. Magazine. With a unique upbringing spanning across multiple continents, Cute's mission is simple yet profound. To awaken and inspire individuals worldwide to access inner freedom, live authentically, and embrace their life's purpose. Prepare to be inspired as we explore Cute Blackson's remarkable journey and his transformative perspective on the magic of surrender. Cute, thank you so much for being here with us today. This has been such an honor to be able to read your book and have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I was just telling you, like, you guys, this book, The Magic of Surrender, uh, we have shared it with um, my husband's team that he builds I have shared this with my family and friends. Like this is a life changing book and I believe everybody needs to read this. And I'm, and I say that with very much certainty. Mm. So thank you. Thank you for that book. Mm. And I, I want you to start by telling us like, what is surrender, right? Because we aren't talking about surrendering ourselves and our weapons and giving in, you know, yeah. We're not talking about that. So what is surrender? What does it mean? And why is it magical? Um, Look, I feel that surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do. Uh, I think that surrender is the real, is the key to the next level of our lives. I feel that surrender is the real secret to true manifestation, that it's the real password to freedom. Um, If you look at the The really great ones, you know, those that set an example for us in terms of the possibility of what it is to be human, a Jesus, a Buddha, a Gandhi, a Mother Teresa, a Martin Luther King, a Mandela, a a Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, you know, in their own ways, they all surrendered themselves to that purpose that was bigger than themselves. They all surrendered themselves to life. They surrendered themselves to the divine. They surrendered themselves to the universe. They surrendered themselves to God. They surrendered themselves to that deeper impulse of their soul that was guiding them. And in that surrender, they transcended their human limitations and somehow tapped into another dimension of grace, another dimension of life, another dimension of their own potential. And that's when life was able to express through them and move through them and use them. And miracles happened because they were not just doing it from and living from their own personal power and ego sort of willpower. They they tapped into something more. And so for me, surrender is the key that unlocks that next level. And so 
there are many misconceptions, I think, about surrender in our culture today. This idea that surrender is weak, surrender is passive, that surrender is giving up, that surrender is waving the white flag, that surrender means you're going to be a doormat, you're going to be left behind, you're going to be a victim, that you're going to be trodden on, you're, you won't manifest your goals, dreams and desires, you know, you're going to get less in life. And so if that was how we hold surrender, who the hell would want to surrender? That doesn't sound that that enticing, that inspiring. And so I'm actually saying, no, if you truly, truly surrender in the ways that these amazing, inspiring individuals, many of whom were just human, regular people, then magic becomes available. So what if you didn't get less in life? What if you actually got more? Maybe not what you expected, maybe not what you had planned, maybe not what you thought you wanted, but what if it was better? What if it was more amazing? What if it was more incredible? What if it was beyond what you could have planned with your own logic and your own personal you know, intention? And so surrender is a letting go of control, or I should say, letting go of the illusion that we are in control in the first place. You know, surrender is a letting go um, of, of trying to force life and manipulate life to fit our limited idea of what we think it should be and who we think we should be. So it's a taking the limitations off of life so that you can be available and open to, 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 the intelligence to the miraculous, to the magnificence of life flowing through you and, and unfolding. And so, yeah, surrender is, you know, so to me, surrender is the key. To, to the old paradigm, which is, I think, how we've been conditioned to live as a culture, you know, you read a lot of self-help books and talk about know what you want and, and get clear on what you want, which is great. And I think you can manifest that way. But when you live and manifest from the level of the ego, it will always be limiting. It will be limited because the ego, the personality is not able to see the, the entire picture of life. You know, we think we, we see a very small piece of reality and we think that's reality, but it's not. And so you might achieve what you thought you wanted. And I think we've all had this experience only to realize that what you thought you wanted was just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. But if you're not in touch with who you truly are, your authentic self, and often the life and the vision and the goals that you set are kind of projections of, you know, unmet needs from childhood. And so for me, the question that I invite people to sit with is a is not what do I want, this limited I, but is is a bigger question, which is, what is it? What is it that life is seeking to manifest through me? What is it that life is seeking to create through me? What is this? What is this intelligence? The divine, the intelligence, my soul. What is, what is what is the deepest impulse of what is seeking to express through me? And to feel that, to attune to that, to align with that. And then once you catch that vision and you're in alignment with that, then you can give a hundred percent and go into action in alignment. But the key is in terms of surrender. You go into action without being attached to the outcome. And I think that that's, that's the openness and the freedom. Starting my podcast was last year. And when I went into this year, my word for the year was embrace. And the reason why I was embraced is because I didn't want to constantly look at my results and then compare myself, or I wanted to take every step of the journey and embrace it. I wanted to ask myself the questions. Okay. Did I learn something here? Like, and it's interesting how things have come to me 
as I've embraced that, you know, and now I'm in the process of becoming a heart math certified trainer. Did I think that that was in store for me? No, a year ago, I had no idea what heart math was. I had no clue, you know, and so I've just learned to really embrace this year and it's unfolded and it's beautiful. And I feel like oh, it comes to me. I think if we all look at the best things that happen to us in our lives, meeting your husband, meeting your wife, meeting your best friend, meeting, you know, Jane Kutcher, meeting, you know, most of it we didn't plan. You know, it just kind of like, you know, you, you didn't say, well, I'm going to go to Starbucks or the coffee shop today and my husband's going to be waiting right there at 7.08. It just kind of like happened in the process of living life. And so yes. I think this is the nature of life, you know, and some might say, no, but, but shit really fell apart. Yeah, but sometimes what you thought was bad was actually a blessing that you couldn't see in the moment from the level of the ego. Like that breakup that happened that you thought was the worst thing. Now, looking back, you're like, well, thank God I didn't marry that person. Like I couldn't see it at the time, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And so even the things that seem like not great things in the moment from the level of the ego, from the lens of the soul uh, uh, is really grace. And so I think that we can even... I say, thank God for the prayers that weren't answered. Yeah, thank God for the things that didn't manifest because sometimes it's, it's a blessing in disguise. And so, yeah, I think, you know, often we wait till all hell breaks loose and we're at wit's end. Then we're going to finally surrender like universe. Okay, life, help me. I surrender. It's like, why, 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 why wait till the end? Why not live that way? Then, then. See, you mentioned something important, embrace. I think that's that's key because part of the essence of surrender is allowing, allowing life to show you, allowing life to lead you, allowing life to guide you where we start following the flow of life. You, and people might think, but, but how? It's like, well, it, it's no different. If you look at the best big wave surfers like uh, Laird Hamilton and Kelly Slater, they don't go to the ocean and like take a fire truck with a fire hose and like we're gonna make a wave. You know, they go to the ocean and they sit. If you see them, they sit on the surf, they sit on the ocean, and they kind of wait and they hang out and they they feeling for the for the wave. They don't have to create the wave, but when the wave comes, then they go into action and they catch the wave. And so I think we have to realize that life life has an intelligence, you know, and somehow as human beings, we've We've disconnected from this intelligence that is us. Like right now, we're having this conversation. You're breathing. I'm breathing. We're not sitting here going, breathe, 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 doing some super duper breath technique. It's just happening. You know, it's like something is breathing us. So what is it that's breathing us? If you like, like you maybe had breakfast this morning and a piece of toast or yogurt or a fruit or a smoothie. How is it that your hand doesn't turn into a toast or a smoothie or a yogurt? It's like there's an innate intelligence that knows exactly what to do. You cut your finger. You don't have to pray. You don't have to meditate. You don't even have to be a good person. The innate intelligence knows exactly how to heal you and bring you into harmony without any of your own intent and will and forcing. It's just it's inside of us. So there are trillions of trillions of cells that are interacting for us to even be able to have this conversation and live life. And so 
it's like, and how, and how do we not trust this innate intelligence? How, how, how do we not trust life? How, how is it that we trust Siri more than we trust the universe? We trust Siri more than we trust the divine. We trust Siri more. It's like Siri says, turn left. We don't even question. We turn left. Maybe Siri's taking us off a bridge. We're driving off the bridge. But the moment your soul, my soul says, write that book, call that person, launch that podcast. Well, well, me, am I sure? I don't know. We start questioning. It's like life in so many ways is giving us so much proof of the intelligence that is life. This intelligence that has been around for billions and billions of years that 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 shines the sun, that shines the moon, that coordinates all the elements. It's like maybe there's an intelligence that knows what to do if we're willing to surrender. And so for me, part of surrender is bringing ourselves back into harmony and relationship with what we are, which is part of this intelligence that is life. Yeah. So I have to know, what what inspired you to write this book? What ignited your heart and brought you to this calling? Yes. So I will have to be honest and make a confession in that this was not the book I wanted to write. This was not the book I actually intended to write. This was not the book I thought I was going to write. I sat down after my first book was a bestseller. Uh, you are the one. I thought I would be smart and, uh, you know, be very strategic. And I thought, okay, let me let me study the market. You know, let me see what books are bestsellers. And I'm going to write a mega bestseller. And, and I sat down one day with my editor and we strategized on the whiteboard, all these fancy titles and, you know, the magical art of this and that and the subtle this. We, we're coming up with all these crazy topics and titles that I thought my audience would want. I thought publishers would want. I, I really thought would be a bestseller. And I maybe come up with about 75 ideas and all of them were great. If I was honest, none of them, none of them felt true. And none of them felt authentic. Like I couldn't look you in the eyes and say, yes, this, this feels aligned. Uh, yeah, they feel like clever ideas. The only word that I wrote on this whiteboard that felt true was the word surrender. That was it. And I thought to myself, oh, shoot. Oh, my God. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to write about this topic because there's so many misconceptions and we kind of know we should sort of, but we we resist it for reasons which we can get into. But I knew that that was the book that was seeking to be written. And I had to, so I had to surrender to the book about surrender. And when I did, everything unfolded. And so in that moment, I kind of saw that so much about my life had prepared me to write the book. And everything about my life started to make sense. And then I reflected back uh, a few years before that, where my mother, um, bless her soul, the person I loved the most at the time, was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And I was devastated, you know, life has a way of humbling you. And um, I get a phone call, your mother has stage four stomach cancer. I didn't really understand what that meant. And so I decided I was going to like, I was in LA, she was in London, I was going to fly to London, and I was going to heal my mother, basically with alternative therapies. And so I went back and tried to sort of force my idea of what she should be doing, and she wasn't having any of it. And so I kind of realized, well, I think she has her own journey. And so I went through a process of letting go. And I began flying back and forth from LA to London every month uh, for a, a week 
for the next year. What started out as the worst year of my life became the best year of my life. And wow, I think about seven months into the process of her chemo treatments and, you know, seeing the doctors, the doctors finally said to, to my mother, I'll never forget the day this woman doctor walks in and she had this look on her face and she looks my mother in the eyes and she says, there's nothing else that we can do for you. Um, so get your affairs in order. I mean, she didn't want to say you're going to die, but in a nice way. So get your affairs in order. We, we, we think you have weeks, maybe months to live and uh, definitely not years. And I remember I was crying, you know, I'd been preparing myself for this moment and we left and I sat with my mother outside the hospital and I looked my mother in the eyes and I asked her two questions. The first question was, are you afraid? And my mother looked me in the eyes and she says, uh, I'm not afraid because I know that I'm not this body and this body is a temporary vehicle for my soul. And even when this body dies, which this body will die, my soul will continue living and I will be with you from the other side. And so I'm not afraid because I know who I am. And then I looked my mother in the eyes and I said, you know, because I wanted to be a good son. You know, I, I was full of regrets because like if there's one regret I had in my life, it was not spending more time with my mom, you know. And I looked my mom in the eyes and I said, okay, I want to be a good son. Like what, what can I do for you? What can I buy for you? Where can I, what, what do you want to, what do you need and want in your final days? And my mom said to me, and I think this is where like the seed of the book was planted and she, her soul was teaching me. My mother said to me, there's nothing I want and there's nothing I need. The only thing I want is what God wants for my life. And, and it was such a simple statement that it hit me. The simplicity hit me because in that moment I saw that she was free. She wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was attached or committed to the highest unfolding of her soul's journey in evolution, whatever that was. And that was her freedom. She was living total surrender. And then I saw like, oh, damn, my mother has been living surrender her whole life. And I just didn't realize because she's just my mom, you know. And I saw so many things about her life where she was living surrender. And, you know, it's easy to be happy and surrender when things go your way and you get what you want and money's in the bank and you achieve the goal, get the guy, get the girl. But I saw the power of surrender in a real life situation when faced with your mortality and the fact that she was going to die and she was in complete peace. And that's where everything clicked for me. And so she, her example and many things from my life, but that example is what made it clear, like this is the book, you know, the magic of, yeah. That's so beautiful. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people will say to me as an ER nurse, like, I don't know how you do what you do and see what you see. Right. And it's interesting because a lot of times it's about like perspective too. And I, for me, I look at it as a gift, you know, not only do I get to be there when it could be someone's last day, or maybe I made it so it's not their last day, both I see as a gift. And what it also gives me is this unique perspective to go, am I living my life to question myself, right? Like, man, I just saw this guy pass away. He's not that old. You know, he had a whole life to live. Am I living my life? 
Am I really living? Because we're not given this certain amount of days. You know, we don't know when that time will come that our body leaves on earth. And I love this soul talk that you talk about because I feel that, you know, I've been next to someone after they've passed, right? And I, I know I feel their soul in the beginning and I feel like their soul leaves and it becomes a body, you know, like you're saying. And the soul never leaves, but the, the body, it only has a certain amount of time. And so I also see the other point though, where I'm with somebody, I, you know, maybe that person didn't make it, you know, and I'm like, gosh, am I living my life? I go next door to my, the next patient and they're living in despair. You know? They're in these dark moments. And how, how do you explain to people that are in those struggles, you know, that how does everything in our life have purpose? a miracle behind it, even in those most painful moments. Yeah, it's hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be real. Sometimes, you know, Alex, I will share and answer your question and provide some maybe spiritual perspective. But let's be real. Being human mm -hmm. is not always easy. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> being human and going through difficulties, pain, abuse, breakups, betrayal, rejection from parents. And I mean, it's, 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 it's hard, you know, I mean, it, it, it's living in this human incarnation takes a ton of courage and we are so delicate as human beings. And I think as human beings, I have so much respect for humans. I mean, there's so much talk these days about how humanity's doomed and we're all screwed up and we're all left up and we're all going to hell basically in a handbasket. But when I look at, you know, I've had the privilege over 20 years to listen to people's stories of what we have been through from our childhoods, you know, and we've been through so much. Everybody's fighting a battle that, that we often don't know. And that person that looks all put together as a supermodel, the gorgeous guy, go if you were to hear their childhoods, you'd be like, how are you even functioning? How are you even smiling? How are you even courageous enough to open your heart to someone and love? And so I think as human beings, we're, as human we're doing okay as a humanity. You know, I, I, I'm like amazed. It's not worse. I'm amazed we're not killing each other, you know, because we've been through so much. Yeah. Yet as humans, the human spirit is so resilient. And so first, if you're listening to this and you're going through some really difficulties, I, I, I well, I feel for you. I, I, I don't take it lightly with anything I'm about to say because it's hard, it's difficult, and it takes a lot of courage to keep going. What I will say, in my experience, my understanding is, I think first and foremost, I feel as though we are souls. And as souls, we incarnate into this human experience in order to learn, in order to grow, in order to evolve. We incarnate in, into this human experience. To me, life is like a university, you know, for our soul's evolution. Life is like a school. And we all kind of have a, lessons we incarnate to learn like a curriculum in some some way, shape, or form. And my classroom is not your classroom, and your classroom is challenging as it was. It's not someone else's class. So we all have, you could say, different lessons that we are seeking to experience and learn in this human incarnation, in this classroom 
of life. Life is like a soul school, so to speak, you know? And so to me, everyone is our teacher. And if we, if we were, if we can go through life on a one dimensional level, just looking at the goal line and this happened and that happened and he did this and he did that on a one dimensional level. And I think then we will just stay stuck in the pain and the victimhood and, and, and the frustration. But if we remember that we are multidimensional beings, that we are souls first and foremost, having this human experience and life as a school, then I think that starts to shift our understanding and perspective of what we're going through. Because now if we're souls and life is a school and everybody, your father, my mother, you know, is a teacher and everything, everyone, everything is a teacher and it's all a classroom, then it can shift your relate. doesn't take away the pain, but it can shift your relationship to the situation so that you can go through it and go through it and evolve through it and learn the lessons from it. So rather than just being stuck in the pain, knowing that you're a soul and life is a school, you may be able to go through it from a more expanded viewpoint and ask a different question while you go through it like, huh, life is a school. This is my classroom. Like, you know, in university, someone does... English lit, someone does drama, someone does, you know, quantum physics. It's like different, different, you know, curriculum. So when you go through a difficulty, when you go through a difficult situation, why is my soul going through this? What is the lesson that my soul is seeking to learn? What what is my soul seeking to understand? What is what is my soul seeking to 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 evolve through? What is the 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 karma, the the lesson that me and my father, me and my mother are seeking to work out? What is she seeking to teach me? What am I seeking to teach her? And I think if we can go through with that multi-dimensional approach, it doesn't mean there's not heartbreak and pain, but we can go through it with a bit more fluidity and a bit more understanding to go, okay there's a learning opportunity here. I have to grieve. I have to, you know, my heart is broken. I feel the pain, but also I understand why I'm going through this. And when we can learn the lesson where we are with who we're with, I think that's when we kind of graduate that experience. Because I think all lessons get repeated until learned. And when we can learn the lesson, like you start realizing if you look back at your life, all of us, if you're wondering, well, what the hell are my soul? What 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 is my soul lessons in this lifetime? If you look back at your life, you might see reoccurring experiences, mm-hmm. reoccurring relationships, mm-hmm. themes that reoccur, and the fact that they're recurring can kind of show you, ah, maybe this is your curriculum to learn how to love yourself. This is your curriculum to learn how to forgive. This is your curriculum to learn how to, you know, honor yourself, set your boundaries, you know, whatever it might be. And I think that might point to the lessons you're here to learn, but also in those painful experiences, if you're able to unwrap the lesson, you transcend the situation, you transcend victimhood, and you're able to take that pain and turn it into perhaps understanding wisdom and purpose. And now that purpose you're able to perhaps share with the world and guide other people and bless other people like you're doing with your podcast, like Oprah may have done with her childhood. And then we think, wow, someone like an Oprah went through some shitty things as a kid. I mean, we all kind of know Oprah's story, raped mm, and yeah. abused. And should she have not gone through that? Now, I don't wish anybody to go through that. I don't wish my child, but should she have not gone through that? 
if she didn't go through that, would she have developed the wisdom and learned and developed the compassion to be able to understand and empathize with people? And would she be open today? And so I think if we can understand that, it transforms things. And so for me, I used to feel sorry for people, you know, it's like, oh my God, poor person, they're going through this, this shitty thing. Now I feel compassion and empathy, but I feel when I see someone going through a really difficult moment, situation, I feel a profound respect for their soul. And the moment happened when I was in India and I was in India at a train station and I see this crippled guy, right, in the train station crawling, like literally almost deformed to the point where he was like a spider upside down. I felt so bad and sorry, sympathy for him that I realized I was looking down on him without intention. And then I had this epiphany of like, we're all souls. And if life is a video game, life is a classroom, maybe this dude who's going through this very difficult, challenging situation, maybe I'm the one in kindergarten. And, 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 and you know, I have health. I have, I have a level of wealth. I have all these things. And here he is in a very difficult, challenging moment. Maybe I'm in kindergarten and he's taking the PhD program. And my entire perspective shifted where, where, where into one of feeling deep respect for his soul and the complex classroom that he has chosen. And so I think when you see it that way, it can change some things. Um, and then also, if you're going through the final thing, I'll say a dark moment in life right now. What I have found is there is a blessing in the darkness because it's in the darkness that birth happens. There is a blessing in the darkness. We often like, oh, the darkness is bad. Like, I don't know where I'm going. I can't see anything. I'm, I'm stuck. I feel abandoned. I feel alone. When all is dark, the darkness is a gift. Because in the dark, see, when everything is fine and dandy and great and there's light everywhere, it's easy to stay distracted. When everything is dark and all there is, you look around in life and shit seems dark. There's nowhere to look. The darkness is actually forcing you to look inside yourself. And when you look inside yourself, because there's nothing to look at outside, that's when you will find the light that is inside you and has been inside of you all along. So in a sense, the darkness has the potential to force you to find the light of your own being. And then you will find who you really are, which is, which is powerful, which is a spark of the divine. You know? Yeah. And really, I think, you know, that's really what life without secrets meant to me too, mm -hmm. you know, is really like, it's really diving into ourselves, you know, get, getting rid of those secrets, you know, that we're holding inside and finding that truth inside of us, you know, digging deep yeah. and asking ourselves those harder questions, yes. finding our truth, because not only does the truth set you free, but I think that like when we don't, when we have these secrets or when we're not fully knowing ourselves, or maybe we do have these real secrets, right? That we're holding onto, that we're hiding in our lives. I think it creates barriers to love and connection. For sure. Which is what I think we're all meant to do and what we're all craving in a fast-paced world. You know, when, when, when we hold these secrets, I mean, I, I think the podcast title is so great. 
when we hold the and so many of us we hold secrets and the more secrets we hold the more shame we have because inside of ourselves when we hold secrets things we've done things we've said you know affairs this that whatever it is that we've done that we judge as shameful we suppress those secrets into our subconscious and that turns as a toxic energy of shame which unconsciously starts to eat away at our confidence at, at our own internal self-value and now we even though we try to forget it, you know, many of us, we drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, shop achieve it away. It away. It's, it's so that we don't have to remember that, but it's lurking deep in the shadow of our basement of our consciousness. And it just erodes at our self-esteem and self-loving. And so then there's a part of us that will tend to feel like we're not deserving of love. We're not. And so then we don't really like let love in fully because there's the fear of, if you know who I really am, then, then, then you won't love me. And so I don't want you to get too close to me because if you find out who I really am, you won't love me. So we tend to not let love in or push love away because we don't feel deeply worthy. And so I, yeah, I think one of the most profound things that we can do is free ourselves of our secrets. And what I have found is the secrets that we keep get stored as an energy. And then we take that with us to our grave. And those secrets as an energetic vibration flow into the next generation. And then it flows into the lineage of our children and then finds them. And many times the next generation will unconsciously act out the unresolved toxic shame or addiction in their lives, and they, you know, they won't even know why am I doing what I'm doing. Many of us may have had the feeling like, why, why, why am I addicted? Why am I? It feels bigger than me because often the secrets that our forefathers and mothers didn't deal with flows into us, and we now act it out subconsciously. So I think one of the greatest gifts we can give the next generation is to free that energy and bring compassion and flood light and compassion to ourselves because then that energy won't have to flow into our children and our grandchildren and our grandchildren. And we can, we can transform our generations when we free ourselves from the shame of our secrets. Yeah. Amen to that. So I, I reading your book, you know, you had a part on this, that it talked about asking those deeper questions and like, how can someone really touch in with their, with their own truth? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that keeps us stuck are the lies that we tell ourselves, you know, so many ways. And sometimes we don't even know that we're lying to ourselves. We've been conditioned from childhood to become who we think we need to be to the point where we're so identified with the version of ourselves and the roles and the masks that we've learned to develop to get love, validation and approval that we actually believe that the version of ourselves that we've become is who we are. So we don't even know that we're lying. You know, we're just Oh, I'm just shy. I'm just independent. I'm just this way. It's just who I am. And we actually believe it, truly believe it. So we're not even lying. We don't even know that we're in love. We're in, we don't even know what we're doing. We're just unconscious, you know, and, we, and we're conditioned. And from that unconsciousness, we create our life. We are having relationships. And so we're living a lie without even knowing that we're living a lie. And so... We think we have free will, but we don't. We're just kind of playing out the conditioning of our childhood and parental programming and generational patterns. And so 
I think that we have to have the courage to first realize that we are conditioned mm-hmm. and be willing to question our conditioning. The challenge is it can be scary to question our conditioning and begin telling ourselves the truth because this ego structure version of ourselves that we've created ourselves as, the ego doesn't want to change. It's just fact. The e- And the ego's job, the ego, the version of ourselves that we've become, that we identify with mistakenly, is a reaction from certain things. And the ego, the mask, the roles that we play, you know, the ego's job is to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt back then. And so the fear is if I start telling the truth, if I start being who I am, if I start letting go of the false mask that I've learned to wear, then how am I going to be loved? And how will I get certain needs met? And how will, if I've learned to betray myself, to get you to love me, if I've learned to be a certain way to get you to love me and I'm no longer that way because that way is a lie that I learned to become. And this happens a lot in relationships. And how the hell am I going to survive? You know, in relationships, I mean, there's a funny example, like you go on a first date with someone and then you're like, they're like, well, I I love camping. I love camping too. Wow, we're, we're soulmates. You get into a relationship, they're like, let's go camping, honey. Like, Screw you, I hate camping. But you said you love camping, you know? And so so we're wearing, we're lying, we're wearing a mask and all, but it's not really our fault. We just kind of got conditioned to learn, like we were loud and dad looked at us a certain way. So that, that part of me is not okay. We suppress it, you know? And then we we betray it. We become the nice girl. We become the good boy. We become the the caretaker. We start learning that parts of ourselves are not acceptable. So we have to hide parts of ourselves. And so it's how the lying starts. Or maybe dad was crazy. Maybe mom's an alcoholic. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe they weren't around and they didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. Maybe they kept us a secret and they just, you know, didn't acknowledge us. And so... In many ways, we all have strategies to learn how to deal with the pain because it's painful to be abandoned. It's painful to see mom and dad fighting. So sometimes we learn to suppress it. Well, I don't feel this. And so suppress, 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 which is a form of lying. Or we're like, well, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. So we're learning. It's a sort of unconscious defense mechanism to not feel, which is a form of lying to ourselves, lying about what we're feeling to function and survive and cope. It's well-intended, but it's it's limited. It's limited. So I think we first have to just have the courage to acknowledge, yeah, all the ways. What ways am I lying to myself? What am I? So you can say question number one is, what am I lying to myself about? And just sit in the question. The ego will tend to like, no, 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 no. Just what am I lying to myself about? And we know, we can feel it deep down if we're, if we're honest. What am I lying to myself about? What am I pretending to not know? It can be scary to acknowledge the truth. We stay in relationships that we know are not right. We work jobs that we hate. We say yes when we mean no. And so maybe the truth is just, to, to me, there's no transformation without truth. So maybe the truth is just to begin, begin acknowledging, you know, I have an alcohol problem. You know? I am not in love with this person anymore, if I'm honest. You know, I hate my job. Just to start getting honest with what we feel. The fear is, if I'm honest, uh uh-oh, what are the consequences? So I'd say take the pressure off of yourself of having to take any action. Then you can just get into relationship with the truth. It's like, 
This is what I feel. You don't have to break up. You don't have to leave. You don't have, but just acknowledge the truth. And that begins a process inside of setting you free. So I think if we can just start there, we have to be willing to tell the truth to ourselves before we can free ourselves. And I think sometimes we tell secrets. We keep secrets from ourselves because we're afraid of the consequence of what would happen if I tell myself the truth, you know? And then we actually believe that what we think is 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 the truth. So true. Yeah. And I mean, in my own life too, right? Like I had suppressed those emotions for so long. And to be honest, it did make me good at my job. When my husband and I, um, we almost, you know, got a divorce and separated and we decided to, um, we paid like a mortgage payment in therapy, but it was the best thing we've ever done. And we went in there very truthful. And one of the things I had to work on was actually knowing my emotions. Like they would literally be like, okay, your homework assignment is to cry. And I'm like, mm, no, I don't want to do that. You know? And I had to release that. I had to get curious. And then, you know, I had to be honest. Like, I'm like, eh, you know what? I don't really like this marriage. I haven't really been happy in this marriage. Like I was just very truthful. And when we're truthful, then we can actually work on what was actually at hand, not what we want it to be. So many people live in like what they think it should look like when that's not really a reality. You can't change something unless you're willing to get in touch with the truth of where it's at. Yeah. And and like you can't get to to Bali or you can't get to New York if you're pretending, you know, you're, you're somewhere else. Like if I'm in L.A. and I'm like, well, I'm not in L.A. I'm in I'm in I'm in Vegas or I'm in I'm in Cincinnati. It's like, how do you get somewhere and change something if you don't acknowledge where you're at? And so I think that's the first step is saying, yeah, I have an alcohol problem. No shame, no judgment, just a simple telling yourself the truth about where you are at. That's the beginning of the process. I love that. Now I have to ask you, what do you think? Cause this was a question in your book actually. Okay. And so I'm going to ask it of you. Let me see what I wrote in my book. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a question you asked everybody, I think in your, it was part of the book. What do you think would happen in our lives and in the world if we all fully surrendered to the truth? Wow. I think at first, a lot of things would fall apart. Mm. You know, fake relationships, you know, fake friendships. You would lose people. People would fall out of your life. Marriages that would break up. People would leave their jobs. Things would, you know, certain things that we've been holding together would dismantle. And it might seem a bit chaotic at first, but as it dismantles, then I think we would find a deeper truth. So, so for instance, in, in a micro version, you, you, you would lose a bunch of your friends. And that might seem sad at first, but what I tell people is, yeah, you would lose a bunch of your friends, but rest assured that the friends that fall out of your life by you being truthful and by you being authentically you were not your real friends in the first place. They were just friends based on the lies and the masks that you were playing. So it's not really th their fault. It's both of your responsibilities because by putting out a false mask, you attracted false people that were in, that were in love with the mask and the role that you're playing, not the real you, but it wasn't them because if you're not showing the real you, how can they love the real you? And so if we started to really surrender the truth in a micro version, you'd lose a lot of friends. To me, the, if you want to find out who your real friends are, start telling the truth. Start being authentically who you are. And, and at first, that might seem scary, 
But then as you started being your authentic self, you would begin to, whoever was left, you can rest assured that they're probably more of your real friends. And you will start to attract more reality, more truth, more, more quality, more authenticity in life. And so with a bit of time, as the old falls apart, the new would emerge and you would build a new life. And I think that that's what would happen as a humanity. You know, I think as a humanity, we're propping up old ways of being and old politics and old, you know, old, old ways of being to just kind of keep the old together, which kind of keeps us stuck, you know. And so and so I think society would evolve in a much greater rate. And even, you know, to to a to a small degree, even with COVID, right? This COVID thing occurred and people saw it like 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 the way the tra the treadmill trajectory we were just going on stopped and that gave people a moment of pause to be like do i like where i'm living do i actually like what i'm doing do i like who i'm with now i'm stuck with my wife and husband for the next god knows how long do i even like them do i like my life what the hell is my and so it 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 gave us a moment of reflection i mean i think we have a a long way to go as a humanity, but it did give us a moment of reflection. So I think the authentication of, of life and living would start emerging slowly. I love that. That's so beautifully said. Yeah. Oh, well, how what's coming up for you, Q? Like, tell us what we can expect in the near future and how people can connect with you. Yeah, just a few ways I would say get the book, The Magic of Surrender. Oh, I totally agree. This yeah. is a must-have. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you you just sharing about it. Because, you know, I, I wrote the book. For me, it wasn't a, just a book. It was it was a calling. And, and for me, the topic of this book is so, I don't know, it's so dear to my heart. It's so, it's so real for me, you know. It's, it's, I really feel that surrender is, is the foundation and is the key. And so... I tried to write this book from my soul and I tried to write this book in a simple way that anybody could read. And so get the paperback on, on Amazon, check it out there. Also the audio version, which I read, people say it's a lot of fun to hear it my is. voice reading it. Uh -huh. uh, I did listen to that too. <laughs> okay, cool. I did that in a day and a half. So that was wow. fun. Um, and then, yeah, look, if, if some, one of the things I'm most passionate about is transforming people's lives. And this is what I was born for. This is my calling. This is what I live for. Um, and one of the most transformational things I have created up until now is an event in Bali. And over the last 12 years, I've done 21 of these particular events. And I think it's one of the most transformational things around this 12 days, an experiential seminar training without walls, where I use Bali as the backdrop. It's called Boundless Bliss. We've had people from all walks of life go through it that have said it's perhaps the most transformational experience of their life. And it's it's truly special and unique. And it's very humbling to facilitate <clears throat> this December, December the 5th through the 16th. We're doing the 22nd Bali event uh, ever. And it's my final one. It's the final oh, Bali wow. event I'll be doing. And so if you're someone you feel that you've been put on the planet for a purpose bigger than yourself and you feel that you have gifts to share, and you're ready to heal, and you're ready to transform like for real, then uh, go to www.boundlessblissbali.com um, and apply, boundlessblissbali.com. This is, 
this is the last time I probably will do a 12-day event Wow! Uh, in my life. I'm going to be focusing more on three-day events, four-day events, and putting my work into digestible ways for more mass and bigger audiences. And so- But this one is more more intimate. Yeah, this one is 18 people max. And it's it's, uh, 12 days and it's- there's nothing like it. Let's just say that. There's, it's a very special event. It's a life-changing event. And people's lives turn inside out and really, really deep healing happens at these events. And it's been an amazing 12, amazing 12 years. And so if you feel the calling, folks, just go go to the Bali website and apply. Um, I was told when I created this event in 2010-11 that there were souls that were destined to do this event. And when they heard about it, when they watched the video, they would they would feel the calling. And that's how it's been. If you feel the calling, just jump in. And then my website, coopblackson.com, Instagram, you can find me on Coop Blackson at Coop Blackson, uh, Facebook, Coot Love Now, my podcast, Soul Talk. And then yeah, next year I'm, I'm gonna be launching a lot of different events, online courses and um seminars. So you can stay, stay in touch by my main website. Yeah, you are definitely working in your purpose. I feel it through your book and I can only imagine how transformational your events would be. Everybody go get this book and like even reading it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I want more. Like it's so good. And it's, it just has so much in it. If I could ask you a favor, if I'm ever in a tragic accident or something, bring me this, wow. bring, me, bring me this wow. book. Wow. You know, because I feel like it's, it's a pathway. You know, that no matter what happens in your life, like there's a purpose and reading this book just really gave me that. So I, I hope to never be in, in a tragic accent, but if, if I am just go in my house and bring me this, <laughs> bring me your book cute. Well, thank you for coming on. I hope everyone's gained so many valuable insights on embracing the magic of surrender. If you're tuning in, I want to make sure you check out his best-selling books. You are the one and the magic of surrender. Remember your journey towards inner freedom and authenticity begins with small steps and courageous choices to lean in. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Life Without Secrets. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more transformative content. Until next time, keep seeking, keep growing, and keep embracing the magic within you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Life Without Secrets. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.